Hey revolutionaries, this is Sylvia, and you're listening to The Revolution of Wholeness. Now, before we get started with this juicy revolution making, I want you to know that The Revolution of Wholeness is brought to you by the Has Everything in Co. platform. Has Everything in Co. is a constellation of projects made by me, Sylvia, and in the Has Everything universe, we believe that we have everything we need to create the lives we most desire for ourselves, for each other, and as we build our communities and networks. There's even a book by the title, We Have Everything, that came out in March of this year that details the blueprint. Every star in the constellations produced by the Has Everything in Co. universe are steps along the way to seeing all of our dreams manifest. Welcome to the conversation. This part is the revolution of wholeness. All right, revolutionaries, welcome to the April installment of the Revolution of Wholeness. After my first solo episode, this month I am bringing you not one, but two incredible guests to share the conversation with me. The first, as Stephanie, is a queer, brown, primarily Spanish-speaking and oldest sibling. Descended of the Kumanagoto people, she lives in Penobscot Wabanaki Territory, also called Midcoast, Maine with their husband and three dogs. They are dedicated to remembering their cultural traditions through food, dance, and story. For nearly a decade now, Estefany has been tracking language down a set of winding trails, exploring the relationships between linguistics, cultural mythologies, integrities, and healing, birthing their organization, Mycorrhizing, through which they work with individuals, local, and national organizations to create mechanisms which are rooted in more supportive and mutual paradigms that make room for everyone's gifts to thrive. I think it goes without saying, thanks to all of the above, why I wanted them to be on my podcast this month. And my other guest, Red Fong, they, them, is a facilitator and data infrastructure architect based in the Northeast. They are a non-binary Asian American with both white and Asian heritages, stretching into Hong Kong and down to Malaysia. Their work is focused on systems change through liberatory and reciprocal relationships between people and place. As a person of mixed descent and upbringing, their approach to this work embraces the discomfort of the in-between, in-between cultures, in-between ways of being, places, etc., and uses this as an avenue for growth, radical change, and building shared understanding. They prioritize emotional connection, emotionally grounded decision-making, and the physical movement in all the work that they do and the places they move through. Again, I think it goes without saying why I wanted both of these fantastic human beings to guest on the April podcast. Welcome to the April Revolution. All right, revolutionaries, I am here with Stephanie and Red. You all want to say hi? Hi, I'm Stephanie Martinez Alfonso. Thanks for having me, Sylvia. And my name is Red Fong. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here with you all. You're so welcome. And I know the revolutionaries are excited too. 
So you two are the guest on my April podcast episode. I think that's really cool because it's springtime. The spring equinox has officially sprung. Uh, it feels like the new year is actually upon us. Like, was it just me or was 2022 like 18 months long and we're now just finally in 2023? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that was about. I feel like it started in like fall of 2021 and then it just kept going. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of a mess, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of a mess. Um, so I like to start out every podcast episode asking guests the same question. Um, so we can start with you, Stephanie. This is just a question just to warm us up and get us a little bit more familiar with who you are. Um, and then we might learn a little bit more about why you're on this podcast as the conversation continues. So first question, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up and how has any of that manifested? I really love your questions. I'll just start with that. Um, and I feel a little bit shy about them. Um, and also like your questions really just are real like they hit real hard and so um in thinking about it I think the earliest aspiration that I can think back to in my like childhood or youth is like early high school I don't remember like any aspirations from when I was like really any younger than that really and it was um in early high school that I was like so set on being a marine biologist and or working with like large animals um and I almost immediately started working at a zoo <laughs> and um that's led me down other paths but I am a big animal lover and a big ocean lover too Nice. I love to see it. And I'm I'm curious to know about what these other paths are that working at a zoo has brought you to. But I'm sure we will find more out about that as the conversation continues. Mm -hmm. um, what about you, Red? How about you? When, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be? Or, or maybe even a big kid like a Stephanie? And how has some of that manifested? Yeah. And like preparing for this, I actually like was upstairs and I was asking my mom, I was like, mom, do you remember like what, what I like wanted to be when I was a kid? Like, what did I say? And like, really the only thing that I remember was like, I really wanted to be an athlete. Like I really wanted to be like a professional, like track star. And when I asked her, she's like, well, you always wanted to help people. Like you, you wanted to be a physical therapist. You wanted to like cure your grandfather's like arthritis. You wanted to like make prosthetics. And so I think like, all my life like has really been about bodies and helping people and I think like in turn like it's manifested itself as like me prioritizing my body and like the health of my body but also at the same time like helping people better understand their own connections to their bodies um through like somatics and uh just like physical exercise as well but I think like it's kind of like the intersection of both of those things which is kind of silly to think about but also kind of cool to think about like over the, over like, I don't know, the past, whatever it is now, like two decades of my life. <laughs> yeah, we're old now. <laughs> Y'all got three. 
Listen, don't remind me. <laughs> we talked about age earlier today too, and I am not upset to be how old I am. I feel like I have truly lived um, and I've accomplished a lot for three, 30 years, three decades, um, lived a lot of life. And also it's just a little bit, it's just different on this side of a Saturn return. Um, so I'm, I'm grappling with that a little bit. I actually just posted while I was noodling here, waiting for the two of you uh, on my Instagram story, a question about, does anybody know of any better studio lighting? Because I'm not a big fan of the way the lighting here highlights my wrinkles. Um, yes, but it is what it is. So I think it's really interesting that there's a little bit of a theme here for both of you that... There's really kind of some very vague memories about what you wanted to be when you were older. Um, and yet, when I met both of you, I just felt like I was meeting two people who are so, so themselves. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, I know I didn't prepare you for this question, but this is kind of how the podcast works. We go where the conversation takes us. Like, what was some of that journey kind of like? And maybe, Stephanie, you can start again. I mean, from marine biology and, and loving animals to being in a place now where you're an entrepreneur, you have your own brand and platform, um, your own kind of work that you do in the world. And a lot of it is with human animals. So that's that's pretty different than working in a zoo. Um, like, what was some of that pathway like for you? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it to this level, because that's what I'm shy about. Um, but it's real, but it's real. So um, let's get real. I um, I think a big reason why I can't think back that far is because I grew up as being the oldest sibling of at least two other people, two other youngings. And just had to like, I had to grow up really fast. I like had responsibility of other humans at a really early age. And so I feel like I spent my childhood parenting um, myself and my siblings. And my household was n never really safe. And so I know I spent a lot of time trying to discern um, where my reality and the world and the person that I want to be, like where those intersected and where I could find myself away from or separate from what I knew growing up was not okay and that's why I spent my time uh, sharing with my younger sisters it's like hey just so you know this thing that's happening in our household this thing that just happened right now like that's not okay um and I think because of that role I've only recently and what I mean recently like maybe in even less than a decade have started to, I moved up to Maine six, six years ago. And it was then when I was like, away from, you know, kind of household kind of parent role in this particular way. And I started to ask myself, like, what do I even like to do? Um, and I think it's been over the last, yeah, about six or seven years, maybe a little bit longer, but around that time that I've been really like in this deep exploration of self through um how my history has not defined but refined me 
And it's like through that lens of like protector of like guider of, um, I don't know, like fierce boundaries, but I would have never said that then, or I didn't know that then that, um, I think I've been able to really keep pieces of myself and also for them to be not so not not too too hard to excavate they're like right underneath the surface and so the minute that I started to dig I was like oh, there's this gem here um how do I keep that and how do I do that work for myself so that me knowing that I I, I do want kids in the future like I'm not passing that on um mm-hmm. and then I'm playing a slightly different role than I was as a young child but parent figure so mm. Wow, there was so much there. And I I think uh, I can relate to a lot of that. And as somebody who would like to plan for children in the not too distant future, but not too close either, um, I've heard it said that your children will really save you. And I think that a lot of adults, um, a lot of adults do that in a good way or participate in that saving in a good way, but a lot of them don't. I think that um, for you, it sounds like, and and for me also, you know, my parents did their best and they did some great things, um, but my house wasn't really a very safe place either. And so, you know, I, I've saved my parents and now as an adult, it's going to be my job to continue saving my parents in some ways I won't get into right now. Um, and But it's interesting to me how my future children and your future children are also kind of saving you and me, where there's this um, desire to parent in a way where they aren't going to have to save us once they're earthside. And so they're already doing that saving, even though they aren't even earthside yet. Um, and they haven't even manifested here on earth. And I, I think that's really beautiful. And I hear a lot too, um, you know, some of you revolutionaries might know I'm in yoga teacher training right now. And something we talk about in yoga is that you're really already whole. And the path to, um, you know, understanding what that means. And, you know, we're kind of inching in on the next question yet. And I haven't forgotten, Red, you're going to answer this first other <laughs> uh, interim question first too, but it is that excavation. And really it, it's like what, who was it? David that made the Michelangelo statue? I don't know. My, well, no, other way around. It was Michelangelo that made the David statue. And he talks about how statues are already there in the rock, you just have to uncover them. Um, and I think that's so beautiful because the you that was that's the most you has always been there, but then all this other stuff gets put on you. And Red, I'm seeing you nodding, which is cool. And I'm wondering like how much of that is resonating for you and your pathway from um, you know, desiring to be an athlete, but also desiring to help people and and getting into sort of the field and the work that you're doing now, um, and even the person that you are now and, and that pathway. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of what y'all are saying like resonates. Like, I think like, as like the eldest child of like an Asian American family, like, like, I've had to do like so much, like in all of the identities that I hold, like I've had to do so much like recovery 
like recovery like not just like excavation but like recovery in the way that like there was a lot of harm and a, a lot of like layers of like expectations and like um, perceptions of me that were placed onto me and so like there's a recovery of like the true self like the retrieval of the true self like that has that has always been there but i think like the expectations being placed on me like as an like as an asian male for like success and like what success looks like within that context and then also like as a as a guy as like a whole and like and then the way that like i then put expectations on myself like in my um exploration of like my queerness to like move so far away from that because i and i like in moving so far away from that cis like het maleness and moving like towards this like high femme like queer queer kind of like identity like i was adding like another layer on top of myself and so like even within the past like couple years like the past two three years i would say like there's been this like massive like recovery where i'm trying to find like what the true center is instead of just like reacting to things and more just like okay who am i beyond my parents perception of me who am i beyond like my own perception of like some of my own identities that have been placed upon me culturally and i think like that for me has been kind of the the answer or kind of the the um the medicine that i need um to to like heal myself where like some of the career paths and some of the things that I wanted to be when I was a kid, like were very much in response to the expectations of the adults around me. I was like super successful in school, did like really well in athletics and people were like, oh, like Red, you should like go do this. Like you should like go compete. And like, those were all expectations that are being put on me externally. And I think like, it's only like now that I've started to like understand and better, like have a better relationship with some of the things that I used to do uh, when I was younger that people like wanted me to do. And now I can finally understand like how I want to be in relationship with those things. And I think it's like, it's complicated and it's difficult because like, that's like two, two plus decades of stuff that you have to like brush off and be like, that's not me. That's, that was someone else putting that on me. And so finding like that true sense of purpose, I think like, or the true sense of self, like is like a, a body-based feeling where it's like when I'm doing something and I'm making a choice or I'm acting in a way that's in alignment with like my true self, I can feel it in my body. And there's like very distinctly a difference when I like talk about, when I talk about this work and I talk about what I love to do, it, it feels different in my body than what other people want me to do. Hmm. That was so juicy. And I know you always think it's so funny when I use that word. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Every time I say the word juicy, what does it make you feel in your body? <laughs> I mean, I know we always talk about woo-woo, like all three of us, like we're yeah. all kind of like woo-woo. And I, I just love it because okay. I, I, know, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. We don't, gotta, we don't have yes. to explain it too much. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, no, there's so much in that. And I, I think another thing that you and I talk about a lot, Red, is just about queering things um, and what that means. And I really appreciate you bringing in the way that sometimes the pendulum swings um, because like cis heteronormativity and for those of you revolutionaries that don't know what that means cis bodied is somebody whose gender um, matches uh, the sex that they were assigned at birth and heteronormativity well y'all are gonna have to google that one anywho uh, when it comes to um, the hegemonic cis heteronormativity 
it can be it can feel so pressuring and again just like you said it can feel like and and like as stephanie said one of those things that ends up putting those fake selves on top of us that we then have to excavate ourselves from and re um, connect ourselves after we've been fragmented and and sometimes when we first realize um how much pressure we've been under we swing the other way and then we go do something that's equally as fake but different um and i think there's definitely something to up leveling in a way that's really um authentic uh, as opposed to just making a lateral move that's equally as inauthentic, but just something different. Um, and I, I feel like that's a good segue to what is, um, you know, the first question about wholeness. This is the Revolution of Wholeness podcast. Um, and, you know, also for you, Stephanie, and any of you listeners, this is, you know, Brooklyn and I made a one-year commitment to try this project out. And we are slowly by slowly answering the question of what does wholeness mean over the course of an entire year. So whatever you have to offer toward that question, I just want to encourage you that that's enough. It's plenty. You know, you're on this podcast for a reason and and whatever it is that you have to say in response to that question, you're adding to an entire canon of understanding around what does wholeness mean. And you know, if you need to just think about mushrooms, we are all <laughs> just one part of an ecosystem. Um, and there's lots of different information that is being spread through the mycorrhizal networks that we're all creating together. So with that big, long time for you to think, blah, 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 <laughs> intro, as Stephanie, when it comes to wholeness, what does that mean to you or, or what does that mean to you today or in this moment? Um, it means, uh, well, first off, when you were speaking about like something, you know, the pendulum swinging and something being equally as fake, but on this other side that gives the illusion, the fallacy of balance. Um, but the word holistic comes to mind, right? Where you're like, oh, both are coming up in these ways because at this point we are honoring both pieces of ourselves that we are still working through understanding and meeting and maybe excavating, maybe reclaiming like I don't know quite what the word is but think pieces of us that we're maybe not quite at, um, at peace with while simultaneously uplifting the parts of us that we're like yeah I'm fucking rad in these ways right so that's what came to mind and kind of related to to your question I would say for me it's about meeting people as meeting them where they're at as as um other whole beings and especially through the lens that they are my other me my other self um and i can say more about that but i'll 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 pause there i want to hear more okay <laughs> um well i I was, you know, kind of looking through these questions, thinking about it, and an example comes to mind from a conversation that I was having, a, you know, technically a work conversation I was having this morning um, with uh, an older woman. She's like, I think she was excited to be turning 50, um, and uh, we're talking about work, right? We're talking about different projects, um, different incentives, different curriculum that we're working on, 
and um, she had mentioned that she has a 19 year old son. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you had a son. Um, she's like, yeah, like, that's wild. <laughs> and I was like, but wait, like, you know, are y'all good? Y'all have a good relationship? Like, what's that like? And she goes on to talk about, like, it was like all of maybe five minutes, but it was like, she goes on to talk about, like, her struggles as a single mom. She goes on to talk about, like, um, the, like, hurt and shame of where she was at, where he may have needed her. She went on to talk about um, how then, in turn, she allows hurt back and that they've gone through these stages of, like, beautiful, like, resistance with one another and struggle with one another to now, in the last couple of years, being like, dude, we got to figure this out together, you know? And, like, really meeting him, being like, I'm sorry for where I was at. And, like, how can I meet you again? Mm. And I just start... I'm like, my, my eyes are watering and I'm like tearing up. I'm telling you, it was like no more than five minutes that she's talking about this. Right. And she was like, she was like, thank you. And, um, I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just like, you know, that just, just like really hit me. And, um, she's like, that's an appropriate response. Um, and she's like really like sitting back and she's like receiving my, my tears of, I don't even know what they were coming from, but my tears. And um, she was like, when I speak about those things, she was like, I never thought about it till now, but when I speak about those things, people will be like, yeah, wow, that's hard. And then we move on. And so there's like something so beautiful about that exchange this morning where it feels related to your question about like leaning in, first off, not abiding by standards of white supremacist professionalism, right? We're here to talk about business, right? And two, that like the practice of leaning into what she was saying, like what she was bringing of herself, little, little, uh, I don't even know if it was a bid, but just little pieces that I can pick up on the other side. And then also then her leaning back into me, right? And that back and forth. And so there's like a, the word that comes to mind and like wholeness or maybe adjacent to wholeness or part of wholeness, I'm not sure, but is dignifying, is dignifying ourselves and each other in our experiences and um, blurring the lines between that professionalism and home, work, community, life, you know? Mm. Yeah. With limits, right? With limits, with boundaries, but blurring those lines a little bit more as, as, um, as we once did, you know? Yeah. And being able to be whole people, um, in an exchange, even if what brought us to that exchange is labor. Um, because just because labor is the campfire around which we're gathering, that doesn't mean that we're not whole people. And again, obviously having boundaries and, you know, you two might not have enough depth yet to talk about that for four hours over a couple glasses of wine and cry together. Um, but you have a, a real and true connection. Um, yeah, I think I also just have to say, you know, I'm really glad I said I want more and I'm glad that you responded to that bid. Uh, that really hit me in the feels. I think, um, 
my mom and I are about the same amount of age difference as the person that you were speaking to and her son. And that was when I was that age, I wasn't speaking to my mother um, for reasons that were good to not do that. Um, We both needed that, I think. But now we have a friendship that's really fun um, and joyful Mm -hmm. and and beautiful and honest and true and we can witness each other. And part of the reason that that is even possible is because both of us decided to make a commitment to um, A, being honest and B, being responsible for ourselves. Um, And I think that there is, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have capacity and shouldn't have had capacity to do that. And even at 19, that's that's still, you know, a childish age as far as, you know, human brain development and and what's age appropriate goes, but I'm grown now. <laughs> I can do what I want and my brain is fully developed finally. Um uh, but you know, point being, um I really resonate with that story and I think that you probably gave her a really big gift in witnessing that and being arrested by the story. And so I just wanted to pause and acknowledge that. Um, And, you know, the lines are being blurred amongst the questions on this episode, which is beautiful (laughs) and lovely and a perfect example. But I just want to say I see wholeness showing up in your life and your work and the way that you are just existing, Um, which, again, Mm -hmm. is why I wanted you on this podcast. So thank you for (laughs) sharing that example. Red, how about you? I know that, um, you know, I'm tempted to just move on to the next question, but I want to hear from you, like, what is your definition of wholeness um, before, at least your working definition in this moment at this hour before we move on? I feel like I'm going to have a hard time, like, like, constraining my response to just, like, the definition, because I feel like my definition very much relates to the next question, but... Listen, we're all we're all like gender all encompassing people. We are not binary people. We don't exist inside of boxes here. So I guess this is just the non-binary episode. So it goes for the questions too, apparently. (laughs) So however you want to start speaking, let's just speak. (laughs) It's the it's the non-binary baddies. Um period. I think it's really interesting, right? Because um wholeness for me is like bringing my full self into the work that I do um and into like all my relationships I think like when I first started working like I had this uh or like first yeah I'm gonna call it that when I first started working like I had this perception that I couldn't bring like all of the pieces of myself like into the spaces that I was working in and I think like that's been a very like long unlearning because for me like wholeness is really about like being able to bring like my most vulnerable self because like the most vulnerable self is really the one that's going to have the best like intuition and the best like decision-making ability to be like, yeah, I see that emotion over there. I'm not going to just react to it. I'm going to make a decision based on how you're feeling, but I'm not going to like, like blindly listen to it. And I think like being able to access that level of like reflection and also like intuition, like in any space in my relationships and the work that I'm doing, like is 
like my North star. Like I know what it feels like in my body. Like I'm going to say it again, but I know what it feels like in my body when I'm making decisions and acting in a way that's like in alignment with that. Like, it's like kind of like this feeling of like, um, like slotting in, you know, like when you're playing Tetris and like, there's all these complicated pieces and then you finally get one that fits like right in, like where it's supposed to go. And it's like clunk, like, oh yes. Like when I realize something about myself or I say something that's true or someone gives me some like good feedback and it like lands in my chest, it's like, like, ah, like, okay. Like, I know what I need to do now. Like, I know that this feeling is true and I know that like, I can't ignore this now. And I think like, um, I'm always looking for that feeling like in all of my relationships. Um, and I think like allowing myself to look for that and allowing myself to like feel that feeling like in all of my relationships, like is like really important to the work that I do. Like, I think I've experienced it with both of you. And I think it's a big reason why I love working with both of you. Like Stephanie and I like had like a moment like earlier this week where like they were like, um, I could tell you like could tell that you uh you weren't being completely transparent with me or like you weren't sharing like your fullest depth like you usually do. And we got finally Ooh. got to that point and I was like, Oh, like you're right, I totally was not. And then like our conversation and the flow of like work and the things that we had to do got so much better. Because I was like, Oh yeah, like I, I know what you're saying, you know what I'm saying, and I'm not like I'm not speaking through like a lens or a guise or like some sort of filter. And I think like being able to have like that approach in my relationships and in my conversations, like where I'm prioritizing, like getting to the ground truth of what I'm actually saying and like all of its complexity. I mean, we were just having this conversation like earlier today where it's like, I may have one thought, but there's so many like things that go around like outside of it like that contribute to like me arriving there and you understanding all those pieces like is a critical part of you understanding like the core piece that I'm trying to communicate because like you may hear me when I say the core thing but you may not understand like it in in its complexity and I think that Mm -hmm. relates both to like like what we're trying to do and the work that we're trying to do but also like us as individuals like you need to understand my experience and like all the things that I like all the trauma and the messy shit that I come from in order to be like oh I get why you approach your work in this way because you come from these like pathways mm-hmm. yeah yeah Brad yeah there was definitely a lot there too every time everyone speaks there's just so much <laughs> um I Yeah, I'm reminded this morning too. So you started out your response talking about vulnerability. Um, And I'm reminded like this morning in our meeting when we were talking about vulnerability, we actually said out loud or I said out loud the definition um, from its etymological root, which is to vulner actually means wound. So to be vulnerable is to be woundable. Um, And and you said that you have to be your most vulnerable in order to show up and do your work the best. And I think something that's really cool about that we also talked about this morning is just around um, regeneration and that, yes, you are woundable. And also the flip side of that is you are also regenerative um, and that your natural body exists in such a way that it desires to be alive and um well like we are inching and inching and inching toward whatever our mortal moment may be every second until that moment happens our body is going to work as hard as it can to actually regenerate itself and i think that there is 
so much metaphor in that that relates to what you were talking about. Like even just circling back to what you were saying in the beginning of the podcast too around um what's the word recalibrate you used or what was the word that you used? Re It's like recovery. Recovery. Yeah, recovering certain pieces of yourself that may have been forgotten. Um that's a regenerative act. And 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 being able to kind of say out loud, yeah, these are my scars that I'm holding and carrying. And also, not only are these scars um, a, a flag or, you know, something that can show you that I have been wounded, but they're also something that shows you that I can regenerate and that I will regenerate and I do regenerate. And I think that's really beautiful. And I see that a lot um, in your life and work. Um, Stephanie, I'm seeing you nodding a lot. What what else is on your mind as far as how wholeness? Yeah, <laughs> you're making a face like, oh no, it's my turn again. Now I have to now I have to actually speak and not sit here and listen and nod. Yeah, when my face gives away. Yeah, I, yeah, you can't lie, huh? Not only are you somebody that sees through other people's dishonesty, but you just aren't someone that can be dishonest, huh? It's hard. It is. Ask yeah. Red. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I see it all the and time. <laughs> I would say too, though, like that is such a blessing, though, to be somebody in someone else's life who just refuses dishonesty, and and it's just like not only can I see through that, but I'm so uncomfortable with how dishonest you're being that I'm actually going to say something. Um, that's a gift. It- I love that you put it that way. <laughs> Did it feel like that, Red? Because I hope it did. <laughs> You're all about interruption. Like whenever you see someone like making like do, saying something stupid, you're like, mm, I don't know about that. Or when I'm facilitating and you're making a face, I'm like, oh, Stephanie's thinking something. And I always stop and I'm like, oh, Stephanie, what are you thinking about? Because you're making a really intense face. You're a disruptor. <laughs> yeah, we need disruptors. I just what what read what you were talking about and you know how you're relating it back to the beginning of the podcast even too reminds me of um remember red we were talking about at some point related to one of our projects probably rpp but talking about anti-fragility but anti-fragility being like there's no there's there's like no opposite word of fragility so this person came up with like, well, fragility, like what's the opposite of fragility, right? And they're like, oh, it's um, strength. It's like durability. It's like uh, um, resilience, like all of, all of these other adjectives, right? That we like so quickly come up with. And they're, what, what, what they had said was, well, the only word I can come up with is like anti-fragility, <laughs> which is not that pretty, but there's no other word for it in our language. Um, but the concept being that like living systems need stressors to survive, to live and thrive as in it is not resilience because something is separate from you and therefore you have to navigate the thing to, to regenerate, let's say, to use your words, but more so that it is literally just naturally a part of that. You cannot ha- not have the life without the stressor. Gravity is a constant stressor on our bodies, right? That we cannot live without. And so it's reminding me a little bit of what, what you were saying, right? About, uh, I don't know, like, what, yeah, how you're relating to wholeness. <laughs> What's on your mind, Red? I see the 
The wheel's turning. <laughs> no, don't do that to me. Um. <laughs> well, I, I will say if you don't want to speak yet, I think bringing in this concept of living systems and stressors being a part of a whole living system is really interesting because I think so often when people think about wholeness, you know, there's this sort of um, vibe in a certain corner of the wellness community that's just the like – yeah, but the bad woo-woo, yeah, in my opinion, yeah. it's bad, where it's they're just like, no. good vibes only. Yes. Um, let's go to the juice bar, and then after that, we're going to go to our yoga class, where we're not going to learn anything about the theory of yoga, but we're going to slightly stretch and do all of our downward dogs wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> But you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the voice. And, yeah, I do. The voice and really we we live we live in a beach town in Mexico, uh, but we don't have any melanin in our skin. But this is our home now. Oh my it's god! Like oh, interesting. And you know, for those of you non-melanated listeners that live in a beach town in Mexico, do you? But maybe be a little critical about it as well. <laughs> Anywho. My point here is there's like a certain corner of the wellness committee, committee, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) we're the wellness committee. The representatives of that corner. LMAO. This is a fun episode. Um, Anyway, um, there's a certain corner of the wellness community that um, just does this spiritual bypassing and comes from a very privileged place. Um, that doesn't really know much about intersectionality or just the experiences of black, brown, queer, otherwise identified people. And I feel like when they think about wholeness, their conception of it is just the absence of pain or they get everything that they want, Mm -hmm. like a little princess, Um, which not going to lie, I can be a princess sometime. Ask anybody I've ever dated. (laughs) Also ask my father who still calls me princess to this day, even though I am 30 years old. Also to those of you whom I've dated, maybe you can talk to him about why I act this way. I digress. (laughs) Now, point being, um, you know, but wholeness is not about just, oh, Cinderella wish is granted or, um, you know, having this absence of pain or being in a space where you don't ever have to deal with anything that stresses you out. And so I really appreciate that you brought that in, Stephanie, because there are stressors in life. And even in the most whole ecosystem, if there were no stressors, there would be no evolution. And therefore, if there were no stressors on earth, literally we wouldn't exist. And so in the same way that my scars can be like my freak flag that flies, that shows what I've been through and my capacity to regenerate, the things that have stressed me out, I actually do have gratitude for. Um, I am in a place now on the other side where I am in adulthood and I take care of my root chakra, as in I pay my bills, I keep a house over my head, all of this kind of... um, very masculine, uh, leaning things to, to take care of myself and keep myself safe. I don't need my parents to do that anymore. And so now that I've survived all of that and I'm on the other side of it, I can look back and say, well, there are pieces of those stressors that I'm grateful for because I have A, B, C, and X, Y, Z skills now 
um, as a, a truly young adult um, that I wouldn't have otherwise, or these are skills or mindsets that other people are still cultivating, and I really do have a leg up in some ways. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I really appreciate you for bringing that in. Nobody on the podcast has really said anything about stressors yet, so that's great. Um, okay, Red, are you ready now to add your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, I, I think like I think about stressors a lot in the context of like trauma and not in like, oh, like not in the way that trauma has been kind of um, consumed by like like everything has been by like capitalism and colonialism, but trauma like in its like through a sense, like 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 me, I like an experience like of like I'm a survivor of like emotional abuse and like narcissistic abuse and lots of different types of like emotional emotional trauma. Like I mean, I think as many like people of color are, like just based on like the experiences of our parents and our communities. And I think because of those things, like I like I'm emerging out on the other side of like a like abusive relationship right now. And I'm looking back on it, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, okay, like now I know. Like, now this has given me the opportunity to truly know myself. Like, I thought I knew myself, and I thought I knew what I was supposed to do. But now, like, I'm like, okay, now I really know. And, like, I was coming out on the other side of it and, like, trying to remind myself of, like, how great I am and, like, how, like, how how much I need to affirm myself and believe that I am great um, and that I am, like, doing, like, great things in the world. And I think, like, I was for a long time and I think in some parts still am, like, basing those, like, evaluations of self, like, on things that I was doing, like, things that I was doing outside of myself, rather than, like, um, rather than, like, having intrinsic value just because I exist. And I think Mm. because of the way that I was, like, coded, or the way that I was, like, um, uh, brought up, I I don't know, like, what's the word, socialized? Um, Sure, programmed. Yeah, the way that I was programmed or socialized or conditioned. Yeah, I was conditioned to believe that self-worth originates from from the things that you do. And mm-hmm. I think like this pursuit of wholeness that I'm like now undertaking and like trying to heal and find for myself is the value of self like just because I exist, just because I am here, like I have value. And like, even as I'm saying that right now, my body's like, "Uh, I don't know if I believe that. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if I'm ready to like totally sit in that. And I think like, that's a tough thing to sit with for many people, like in the places that we come from and like in the communities that we live in, I'm seeing like my sister go through the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. it, like coming from the same upbringing, like having a hard time, like believing in self and having yeah. self-worth. And I think like those stressors, regardless of like how difficult that trauma and those things that like I've been through have been, like I see like how valuable they were, like the skills that they've taught me and like how much, like how different like my experiences and also like my perspective on the world is like as a result and it hurts to like hold them and like incorporate them and like into my being and I know that I need them to survive I know that I need them to like better navigate the world I know that I need them and like I need to learn from them and like actually truly like embody and incorporate them so I don't do that to myself and I don't do that to the people that I'm in community with and then like hopefully like that doesn't become like the things that happen to me like don't happen to anyone like or don't happen as much like in the future 
like in the mm. communities and cultures that we're trying to create because like why like why do we go through those things if not to learn from them like it doesn't yeah i'll leave it at that <laughs> i'm gonna go no, on too much of a tangent yeah no t- that's what podcasts are for it's one long tangent um but yeah, no, I, I think that's that is that's really pure and it's hitting home for me in a lot of different ways. Um just you know, the ways where your wounds will end up wounding somebody else if you don't heal them. Um, so it's not just my future children that are saving me, it's also my current relationships. Um I I talked to <laughs> eh, I wasn't gonna go here, but here we are. Here we are. I talked with you a little bit um, about this this morning, Red, but, you know, I one of my big wounds from childhood is around abandonment. And sometimes the ways that that shows up, it comes out in intimate relationships where um, I don't know that it's really that I don't think I'm worthy because I think I'm the shit, but it's so that's not quite what it is for me, but it's more like I just think that other people are going to leave whether I'm dope or not. Because growing up, my parents like always took plenty of time to say, you're super awesome. You're extremely talented. You know, you're beautiful. You matter. Um, You know, and so I do have this kind of sense that I exist and therefore I matter. But I don't have this innate sense that I exist and therefore I belong because I do feel like people are just going to leave. And if they're really, really close to me and I really, really like them, they're more likely to leave. And I spent a lot of time engaging in relationships that confirmed that. And Now I'm trying out engaging in relationships that don't confirm that. But what I'm finding out is those people do not take bullshit. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter that I'm this cute. Uh, (laughs) My cuteness cannot save me here. (laughs) No, it cannot. Okay. Okay. Speak, Mm -hmm. Stephanie. (laughs) <laughs> I just no I just really I love that you're bringing that in no for real because there's like a certain I, I mean along with the stressors and like wholeness being holistic in in what you know to, 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 to touch on what you're talking about right is like some of those pieces of bad things happening but then also bad things happening that then create a stuckness which is a trauma um and the 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 trudging through the mud in that right um in our healing journeys being cyclical um i was just talking to my best friend about this being like you know your your tendencies are going to come up and all of these pop up in all of these different ways and take the time to bow to them right because that's those are those are your, you know, that that, that that's your survival, right? Like like you need that's that's uh, a protection for you. And do you need it at this moment? You know, like, and it's like it's it's a different kind of hardship to then be acceptance of your wholeness 
and your uh, and your like uh, fear of abandonment and your wholeness and in the fears and wounds of um you know all the traumas that you hold and and just thinking about like going back to the beginning about my childhood it's like I I've also been through I you know I, I'm a survivor um I've been through my household was um emotionally psychologically mostly physically and sexually abusive and then a sexual assault outside of that right and I've also been a perpetrator in some ways and it's it's been my I don't know like a I don't know like a practice of discernment a practice of um distinction um of like a, a separation and also like bowing to this being my parts of my reality but that then have allowed me to have have encouraged me to work really hard to trust myself through all of that and that's something that feels so far on the other side but the more that we can just like remember the natural the natural in ourselves as in land as in we are land and land is us and that there are cycles and that it's complex and that we're living systems and that we need the stressors and that we need the evolution like all of those parts of myself need to come along with it Mm -hmm. um and that's what I hear like in our thread of like Bob that's like it's a different kind of work that Mm -hmm. I'm like I don't even know if I ever would have thought about it, right? Because I mean, I I didn't think I was going to be living past, I don't know, fifteen. Then it was Ooh, 18. I just got chills. Say that. Then I was like twenty one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, that's that's the ancestors' work there. Absolutely, I remember there was a moment after I turned twenty eight where I was just like, oh, I'm actually here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here. Oh, oh, okay. Like I actually have quite a few years ahead of me. Um, I, I get the pleasure of living before I die. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was actually talking to my best friend about this earlier today too. It's funny. Um. because this relationship with a certain someone is not working out the way that I wanted to. Um, But I realized I had a conception that when I found somebody that I liked that was worth spending time on, um, that it would be easy. And it's not. And we're not together. (laughs) And as much as I don't like that, this person is still committed to being in connection with me as a friend. And the level to which they do not take my bullshit is a challenge that I have never faced before. And it's a space where my old survival mechanisms are unnecessary in this new way of being that I'm completely unfamiliar with and yet somehow very familiar with in a cellular remembrance way. Um, I'm asked to show up in that way. 
Mm. And it is brand new, and yet it is it is more me than I've ever been. Mm. That right there. That right there. And can we just pause for a second? Because I just want to uplift something that you just said for yourself. That you're like, mm, I had this idea. It is not, hasn't gone the way that I want it to. And you like that acknowledgement be like, oh, that's not how I wanted that to go. And, and so I just want to, I want to uplift the like, and part that I hear and what you're saying. And, oh, I, I have a road and a path ahead of me on, in, in this choice that you're making. And, you know, maybe not now to this person in particular, but most importantly, what I hear is to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah. I think like what you're talking about like makes you think about like how much immense strength it takes to like accept like the the feedback that someone else is giving you and like to be in relationship with that person when the when the feedback is hard when like the feelings are complicated and I think like something that is like in this day and age like so hard to like accept and like feel like is like platonic love like is Mm. like actually like feeling and accepting and recognizing that platonic love is super valid and super necessary like I remember when you and I like first started like getting to know each other like almost like a year ago I was like oh like I feel some type of way about this person and like I'm not sure what that feeling is like I'm very confused like I I feel like 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 some sort of connection but I'm not sure what that what that connection is supposed to feel like and I think like between my relationship with you and my relationship with Stephanie like I've had to totally like relearn like platonic love like the feeling that I get like when I get to be in a relationship and get to like have deep conversations feel validated like learn from you like be able to share like my own perspectives like that feeling that I get like is like the thing that I always want to come back to at the end of like at the end of the day, like, I think that's, like, what is going to, like, move ev- all, all of us forward. Like, yeah, romantic love kind of fucked sometimes, very difficult. Uh, obviously, I'm a little jaded right now, but, like. <laughs> yeah, bring <laughs> but, it, bring it, though, mm-hmm. bring it, though. But I think, like, Adrian Marie Brown talks all about, it, like, platonic love and the power of, like, love and, the, like, the role and responsibility of it, like, in, in her, in Emergent Strategies. And I think it really spoke to me in the way that, like, platonic love and the feeling of being loved and, like, feeling seen in that way, like, helps us, like, heal each other. Where, mm-hmm. like, you may know something, you may have a perspective about something, you may have, like, a story about something that's going to help heal me. And I may have something mm-hmm. that's going to help heal you. But, like, the strength and vulnerability that it takes to actually listen to and, like, be willing to, like, receive that and also to be able to, like, share that, like, I think is a skill. It's, it's like, a practice. It's definitely a practice, yeah, where, like, I have to do it over and over again in order for me to actually, like start to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I actually know what I'm trying to say at this point. I'm not, it's not like all convoluted and like tangled up in my ego. It's more just like, Hey, I'm speaking to you. Like, uh, like my spirit, like, and my feelings, I'm trying to speak to you and share. And like the feeling that, I don't know, the feeling that I get in my body whenever I'm like, whenever I have that platonic love feeling is like so juicy. Like it's so good. It's like, oh, like, yes, like, this is what, this is what I need to feel, this is what, like, like, the feeling I'm getting right now, like, this is what I need to feel, this is how, like, 
this is how this is how we survive um and like i think it's only been within the past like year or two that i've been like oh like this is what i've been looking for i should stop like trying to find like this feeling and like this type of like connection like in everything but like really prioritize it like in like the relationships that i'm developing and like valuing those as that Mm. yeah trying to do the heart thing but i still can't figure it out with my hands oh well but you're a millennial so you have an excuse Oh, the there only, you go. I got there, it. See, okay, how come the two millennials can do it and you can't? This is a Gen Z thing. <laughs> uh, revolutionaries, for those of you that are just listening, we're doing the, the heart hands, but we're doing it the Gen Z way with the middle finger and the pointer finger. And Red, the only Gen Z here, can't do it. You really are a cusp. <laughs> I truly am. 97, baby. LOL. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I, I really do feel a sense of love and camaraderie with you as well, Red, and, and you too, as Stephanie, although I think Red and I have, um, we connect a little bit more often. I think the love is definitely there between us too. Um, and I remember Red, <laughs> there was a moment, uh, we were in California. It was somewhere warm. And um, we were there for an environmental conference or something like that. And I had come to your hotel room and I think we were drinking White Claws or something. And I was like, yeah, we're friends. I like you a lot. And you were like, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> In more or less words. Oh, um, my God. Did they said that? <laughs> yeah. No, they didn't say it that exactly. But that was the vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and That's really cute. It was extremely cute. They were like, um, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, well, you take your time. I know how I feel about you. Um, <laughs> um it was really cute. But all that to say, um, we did meet at an environmental conference and I think that we have spent some really juicy time talking about wholeness in our, our lives. And I want to transition and segue a little bit to chat a little bit more about some of our work because the three of us are all doing incredible work in the world. And before the revolutionaries get tired of listening to us chit chat and kiki, I want to make sure that we get to shout ourselves out a little bit. Not that y'all get tired, revolutionaries. I know you loved listening to the sound of my voice. Um, but... Uh, yeah. So, you know, Red, it's been really a pleasure and a joy to work on this project that um, has ended up being called Ways of Being um, with you. And it's a workshop that Red and I do that supports people in finding out what are their group values um, so that they can move forward from a place that's really intentional. And I'm curious about what other kinds of work that you're doing in the world Um where wholeness is a part of it, like really intentionally, or, or if you want to speak to the ways of being a little bit more, like whatever you want to speak to in that. Yeah. Um, I think like the thing that's coming up for me is this really beautiful um, process program practice that I've been part of for three years now. It's called the relearning place program. And as Stephanie mentioned it earlier as RPP. Um, And I think like, it's been like this, I've, I started it back in 2019 when I was like just starting out like as a summer intern at like an environmental like conservation organization and like its evolution I think has grown like with me and um, I think it's been really 
amazing to watch. And I think it's such a interesting place of practice because we're coming together um, with so many different identities, like myself and Stephanie having the identities that we have. And then also like some white folks who have like mixed some different identities and like some older folks and some younger folks and watching us all come together to try and find like shared meaning and shared understanding, like this weaving. I mean, I really see like for me, like my role has been like a weaver and like watching kind of these things like synthesize and come together in this way that like can be really complicated because we have to like unearth like what like what do you really mean when you say that like what are you actually trying to get at and i think like this concept of wholeness like i think i've heard so many people say like in relearning places been like oh like i've never been in a space like this i've never like had conversations like this within this like context of like place and also like the work that we're doing and i think like bringing our whole selves into finding consensus about or finding like shared understanding of like the work that we're trying to do or the change that we're trying to make um is like do is making the change in itself like it's not just the products that we produce like the thing like the events that we create or the programs we make but like the very practice of being together and trying to find shared understanding like is making change because we and ourselves as individuals are then like growing and becoming more practiced at like the worlds that we're trying to create and i think like that requires us to show up like holistically um like we use kind of like an and intuition like feeling kind of based like decision making process sometimes where it's like eh, we're gonna make this move in this direction um but we get kind of like five six steps down the road and someone's like mm, this doesn't feel right for me like this is this is not like this does not feel right and then we like backpedal i mean it took us three years to like produce something physical mm-hmm. um because we kept making steps forward and then having to take steps back and steps forward and I think because that only was able to happen because like we honored like everything that someone was bringing, like, you don't feel good about this. Okay. I don't need like too much more explanation. Like if you're, if you got bad vibes, like what, well, well, I think Stephanie, we were talking about it earlier, earlier this week. If you're like hiking down a path and all of a sudden your body's like, eh, like I'm like you, your body, like gets scared. It gets weirded out. Like you get those, those tingles or something like that. Like there's a bear around the corner. Maybe you leave you're not going any further down that path and i think like respecting like your body and your body's knowing um of that like is is totally part of the wholeness but you got to discern whether it's intuition or your trauma but that's the work that we all got to do as individuals Mm. yeah that's juicy because i think that the intuition is such an underrated and underutilized tool in professional spaces because um well, for lots of reasons, but the your intuition is such a powerful tool because your body will pick up on things that your mind won't. Um, and I think that a traumatized body will pick up on things and then it'll get filtered through your mind and your beliefs. And then you might come to a decision about that thing um, that you wouldn't have otherwise if you hadn't experienced that trauma. Um, that's literally exactly what happened to me with the person that I was trying to talk to, um, which is why they're just like, girl, you need to do some growing first and then step to me otherwise. Uh, and we could try this again later after you grow, but, uh, they behaved in a certain way and my intuition picked up on that behavior. And then that behavior got filtered through my fearful, um, mindset and abandonment beliefs. And then I made a decision, a unilateral decision 
which I got to say, making unilateral decisions in relationships, I learned is a bad idea. Unless you're in an abusive space, then you do need to make an, a unilateral decision to get the fuck out. Um, so that abuse doesn't count in this conception of unilateral unilateral decisions. But um, just like what you were saying, Red, that same kind of uh, you know pathway of decision making um, applies when we're working together, or it could when we create the cultures and communities and organizations that are based on some of those more ancestral and indigenous ways of being and ways of knowing. Um, Stephanie, I know you know a lot about this kind of stuff. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, I mean, we're reliant, we are quite literally doing our best to bring in and center other old forms of intellect that mm-hmm. are very much alive, right? Um, that there's like so many forms of other intellect. There's so much that we pick up on from one another. We literally vibrate energy. And so, like, we're bringing that into that space of relearning place to ask, what does relearning place mean for us? And so that work has required for us to, like, slow the fuck down. Like, are doing our best to like put all of professionalism through white supremacy, patriarchal, imperial, um, uh, capitalist culture at the door. It sneaks in, obviously. It's there. It exists. There is oppression in the room. Like there, there is. Um, we we're bringing our whole selves in this way. We are not exempt from any of that. But for that to be the baseline, no. Right. And so that's, you know, related to what we're talking about earlier, just like interrupting, interrupting and being like, yeah, we trust you to trust yourself, to trust those vibes. And we've all um, consensually are showing up here, um, understanding our, our, our capacity beyond just what's like, what's that open space in our calendar, but also like bringing our, like, there, there, you need to have capacity to bring yourself, right? To bring your whole self. Like, if you don't have it, it's like impossible right and so like trying to make also the conditions available for folks to really tap into tap into that um that trusting of self and also that you are being trusted and that we have the capacity for relational feedback and repair um Mm. and it's like it's it's that that creates like i don't know people people use like safe space people use like brave space people like I don't know what's called, but we're all in it in that way. We're all in it in that way. Absolutely. And I think what's standing out for me around what you said, too, is creating the conditions. And I think that's so powerful. And and that's what I love about the work that Red and I do with the Ways of Being workshops is we are supporting people with saying out loud these are the conditions under which we're going to operate. These are the values that we care about. Because I think so often, especially in some of these like movement or liberation or whatever spaces, people can assume that because you um, agree on one piece of liberatory work, that that means you completely have the same set of values or you believe in all of the same stuff. And oftentimes, in fact, most of the times, 
dare I say all of the time, that is just not true. And so it's really important to be able to get explicit about what are the things that we believe. And sometimes we don't even really know what the things that are that we as individuals believe and value, but there are you know, ways that we can uncover again, excavate, uh, remember, uh, and find out what are those deep held beliefs? What are those core values that I actually have that I'm operating under that might even not be fully conscious for me, um, but that I'm bringing into a space? And how can I become more conscious of those and then lay the ones that I don't actually agree with? My, my, my highest self, my truest self, doesn't agree with consciously, but that, you know, I have sort of um, agreed to unconsciously as a survival mechanism or whatever, how can I excavate some of those? One of my favorite um, metaphors is lay those ones down to compost after uprooting them so that they can be returned to the earth, fragmented and and turned into something else and generative because the earth is naturally regenerative and then plant new seeds of these new values. And the other piece too that came up for me in what you were saying is how pompous it is of uh, humans as a species to really think that we are somehow exempt to the natural laws of planet earth because we aren't. And we see examples of exactly what both of you and I are talking about in nature. We see it with the minerals. We see it with the plants. We see it with the animals. We see it with the air, with ecosystems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, why do humans think that as a species, we are somehow exempt? We too are earthlings. And so when we actually can study some of the natural systems and natural ways of being that the earth has, there's so much wisdom in there. And you see that the plants... Um, They communicate with each other on a much more intuition-based and much more energy-sharing-based way of interacting. Um, And so it's just really interesting. I'm like, when did we forget? I love that question. When did we forget? Yeah, I didn't plan that one. You can choose to answer it or not. (laughs) (laughs) I I. If you're not going to answer that question, I do think we should probably start uh, moving into that final question, which is what advice do you have um, for other people who are on their own pursuit of wholeness? Mm. You want to go first, Stephanie? Yeah, sure. Um, and the thing that comes to mind for this question is understanding your own distinctions and boundaries better like you know Resma talks about um trauma decontextualized in a people passes off as culture mm. yeah that's from my grandmother's hands yes yes and I think I think that's the quote um but I think I about think so it too. right <clears throat> because I'm like right for me to like in in my so so I don't I don't even think I said that but I'm like I'm Latine, um I am I was born here in the United States and immediately went back to Venezuela for four years and then came back and grew up in Boston and my family's mixed and I'm indigenous and um, also um, have European roots on my mom's side and she's also mixed and so um, it's complicated um, and my household I feel like my entire life a lot of it has been 
um, conditioning me to 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 tolerate like how to be disrespected all the time how to be um how to not uh I don't know what the, what the opposite is but like not to not to be dignified um and that if I dare to ask for that never mind demand it I'm all of a sudden like you know the bad person right and it's like and so I guess I say all of that to be like I've had to really try to understand what or what is health and wellness for me. And so like at this point in my life, I'm like, I have a really healthy relationship with my mom. And what that means is that I have a hard boundary with her. I don't have any contact. Um, and I've needed that. I've needed to be able to determine and discern what my conditions for how to be in relationship with me are. And then how to communicate when, like, I'm not being met in that. And then discerning when I can't be met in that, when do I step back? What, what do I do now? Like, what is what are the conditions now of our relationship from that reality, from that place? And so I guess my advice is to really, like, determine and think about, like, colonialism as this um, part, of, part of colonialism as... Um, as a system, an ongoing system, continuing to ask you to conflate your needs, to be confused in your needs, to be individualistic, right? And what that does is then encourage us to be more dependent in unhealthy ways within our relationships looking for somebody else to fulfill our internal work externally. Mm. And so how do we find the distinctions between the cultures that we all once came from, if not already existing within, that are um, interdependent, that are, I cannot thrive if you cannot thrive, that are um, interdependent as in like a, supporting one another to find to meet your needs right but that's not exempt from then having a community to do that within and so Mm -hmm. honestly just thinking about like yeah what colonialism is like asking you to put distinctions in places where they don't actually belong so for example us as land and land as us a distinction doesn't belong there but that's what colonialism capitalism all of these isms imperialism wants you to 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 programs you for right and so better identifying like where are the distinctions that you need in your life um and how can you learn your own self once again and meet your own self once again by identifying what your needs are and how to express them how to um meet yourself as a whole self again through the practice for example of boundaries in relationship to those distinctions mic drop Thank you. Red, what's on your mind? What is your advice to people on their pursuit of wholeness? Yeah. I think, like, for me, I I think, like, it's personal. It's, like, your sense of wholeness, like, everyone's sense of wholeness, I think, is going to feel different and look different. And I think that the only way to find that for yourself um, 
is kind of like I think about it kind of like a tuning fork where like there's certain like we talked about a little bit about like vibrations like um like you know we're all vibrating in a certain frequency we're all made up of like molecules i mean this is my science background but like we're all made up of vibrating like molecules we're always vibrating and moving and then sometimes when we encounter something that matches our vibrational energy or amplifies it like it feels good like we never want to be around things that are like deadening like our our amplitude um and so i think when trying to find like i think using your body's response like and your body's like true response not your not your body's response filtered through trauma using your body's response to help guide you in decision making and like uh, yeah in decision making is essential um and in order to like tune that it kind of needs to be like a tuning for it where like you you sit with a thought you sit with a feeling you sit with a, a word a phrase or whatever and like kind of like suss out like how does that feel in your body when you say that how does it feel in your body when you receive that like does it feel true does it ring true does that vibrational energy of that statement like match your own and like once you can kind of get a feel for like if that matches your own you can kind of like start to better like uncover like oh like my vibrational energy is actually like a little bit higher over here than it is like down here and i think like that process of like kind of like um fine tuning it like boop 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 like into the middle um is like what is going to allow like people to find like that's what allowed me to find like or have a better sense of like how to find my wholeness is like this like needle of compass i know i'm using a lot of hand movements right now so people can't see what i'm doing but um like totally just like the compass where it's like you're gonna find like your true north or like some some range of actions and feelings that are your north and mm -hmm. like allowing yourself to experience things and kind of gut check gut checking them against that i think like is essential and like is a huge part of finding like a sense of wholeness mm. absolutely be the well, tuning fork yeah be the tuning fork and have discernment and boundaries thank you both so much all right, revolutionaries, we're about done here. And I just want y'all to give yourselves a moment of gratitude, maybe a hug. It might feel silly, um, but give yourselves a moment of gratitude for spending some time learning and listening because know that we are grateful for you. Mm. Blessings to all of you on your journeys to wholeness. That's it for now, revolutionaries. We'll see you next time.